Welcome to Flyover Stocks, where we research quality companies that are often ignored by Wall Street. Join host Todd Wenning as he delves into the stories behind often overlooked businesses and shares his thoughts on topics that matter to long-term investors. References to charts can be found by visiting flyoverstocks.com, where you can also sign up for the latest Flyover Stocks content. Speakers may own shares of the companies discussed. Nothing in this episode should be considered financial advice. Please enjoy this episode of Flyover Stocks. Hi, everyone. I recently published a number of short memos, and by themselves, they weren't great as podcasts. They weren't long enough. So I decided to put them together and make this one a little bit longer. So hope you enjoy this. Did something break? I don't often comment on the market. Despite financial media's efforts to convince us otherwise, there's usually not much to talk about. It's companies being companies and markets being markets. Having experienced a number of exceptional market environments over the last 20 years, however, this moment feels noteworthy. The Magnificent Seven, as they've come to be known, have dominated the market and broken base rates that suggest that the largest companies are unlikely to grow at high rates. On the back of the Magnificent Seven and other large cap growth stocks, the U.S. market has grown to account for 70% of the MSCI World Index and account for all of the index's top 10 constituents. So it's reasonable to ask, did something break? Could it be the markets? Could it be value investing? The rise of the intangible asset economy has been well-documented, and Michael Mobison and Dan Callahan, who published a set of historical base rates, illustrate how intangible asset-based companies can perform differently than longer-term base rates suggest because they include a more tangible asset-heavy past. But this most recent market surge, which began with the public launch of ChatGPT in November 2022 and accelerated with the cooling of year-over-year inflation and a pause in rate increases in 2023, feels different. A good argument I've heard to support MAG7 market values is that if an alien dropped in and observed what we do every day, they would see our businesses relying on AWS, Google Cloud, and Azure. They'd also see us spending about a third of our waking hours on our smartphones, like our iPhones and Androids, most of which is spent consuming media via YouTube, Instagram, and other social sites, and so on. From a relevant standpoint, these companies are firing on all cylinders. The expansion of AI, the thinking goes, will only increase our leisure time to consume digital media, all the easier when the screen is attached to your face, it seems. What's more, some of these companies are operating in winner-take-all markets. They have wide moats and are aggressively reinvesting their massive cash flows into further widening their innovation and infrastructure leads against would-be competition. Unlike the dot-com bubble, there isn't as much speculation as to who might be the winners of these exciting technologies. It's more of a question of what won't the MAG-7 take for themselves. Indeed, earnings growth has accounted for much of their stock gains as a group. It isn't just pure multiple expansion driving their gains. As Aswath Motorin shared in his excellent post this week, their multiple premiums as a group may be explained by superior relative operating performance. In all, there's a reasonable case to be made for MAG-7 or large cap growth stock performance that doesn't rest on mere speculation and multiple expansion. And yet, as students of market history and human history, we know to be cautious in moments like this. Capital cycles ebb and flow. Excitement leads to overinvestment, 
which leads to a sharp pullback in investment, and the cycle repeats. Governments may step in on antitrust concerns. We don't know for sure how or when it will end, or at least cool off, but history suggests that it will eventually. Otherwise, something really did break. As investors, FOMO is real, and watching the market taillights now and then is not enjoyable. There's temptation to jump in so you don't get left behind. But if you didn't know to get in ahead of the trend, you're unlikely to know when to get out. Tread carefully. Of course, there's a fine line in investing between patience and laziness. Just as the dot-com boom was a signal to learn more about the internet, today's MAG7 large-cap growth rally is a signal to learn more about the innovations sure to impact our lives and our companies over the next decade. Though this is an exceptional market, I don't think anything broke. We just need to take care that we don't. Moats. In recent weeks, I've seen a number of Twitter posts from various accounts criticizing company motive analysis done five or 10 years ago, where the stock subsequently performed poorly. The conclusions were that because of the poor subsequent performance, the original mode analysis were flawed. The post unintentionally made a key point. A company can have a moat and still be a crappy stock. What matters is the moat trend and whether the company's ROIC performance beats the market implied fade toward cost of capital. This is why when I do company profiles, I split up the analysis for moat width, durability, and trend. Each plays an important and independent role. You want to see that there's an existing moat, its products and services are likely to remain relevant, and its competitive advantages are strengthening over time. Look at your fish. After six years of working from home, I've come to enjoy my new commute, mostly because it's given me a chance to listen to audiobooks. I'm now on my third David McCullough audiobook, Brave Companions, having finished his The Wright Brothers, one of my favorite books, and Pioneers. On top of McCullough's mastery in research and writing, it's almost unfair that he also has the perfect voice for historical narration. You'll recognize his voice from many Ken Burns documentaries, including The Civil War. One of the people McCullough profiled in Brave Companions is the 19th century Harvard naturalist Louis Agassi. He told the story of how Agassi would leave his student with a fish specimen and say, look at your fish, before leaving the room. The student would spend a few minutes looking at the fish and promptly conclude that they learned all that's important to know. Agassi would return to the room and ask the student what they saw. Unsatisfied with the answer, he'd simply repeat, look at your fish, and leave again. At this point, the student might get a little bored and put their head on the table for a rest. In doing so, however, they'd notice an angle of the fish they hadn't considered before. Now there was something to explore. They might next draw the fish or shine a light on it, producing yet further discoveries. Returning the next day, they might examine the fish and consider its anatomy. In McCullough's story, the student discovered that the fish had paired organs, the same on both sides. Finally, the student saw what Agassi wanted them to see. As investors, we often conclude too soon that we know what's important about a company. Indeed, the more experience we gain, the more often that tends to happen. Pattern recognition can provide false comfort. What I've learned is that the longer I followed a company, the more nuances and angles I learn and appreciate. The most valuable insights didn't come on day one or even month one of following a company. They more often come in year one or year three. To illustrate, I've owned Costco for eight years, 
but it took me a few years to develop the insight that Costco gives frugal customers mental and emotional permission to spend their money. Oh, that 80-inch TV? I bought it at Costco. They didn't splurge. They got a deal on it. It also took me a while, thanks to an observant comment from my wife, to understand that Costco is a fundamentally different shopping experience than Amazon or Walmart. This helped me hold through the 2017 sell-off when Amazon acquired Whole Foods. In one of the first Flyover Stocks posts, we discussed position sizing and how conviction is part of the allocation decision. The better you understand a company, which only comes with time, the more you can develop the conviction you need to take a large position and hold through challenging times. It's understood that we need to do different things if we seek different results. One way to do this is to take Agassi's lesson to heart. Look at your fish. Whether it's due to short-term performance pressures coming from internal or external sources, or the fact that we're more excited about new rather than existing ideas, most investors prefer to look for the next idea rather than sit with and contemplate what they already own. Yes, a company must be worth your time to follow. And yes, there's the risk that you'll miss a new idea because you're following an existing one. But I believe there's also an opportunity for those who can delight in the mundane task of following the same companies for years. For that's where conviction building insights are found. That strikes me as a game worth playing. Look at your fish. Stay patient, stay focused. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyer Stocks. If you enjoyed it, be sure to like it and share it so that more thoughtful investors can find our community. We'll see you next time.